You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello once again. Welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And today we are diving into a case study or as we called it in our call out to you guys, a meaty case study. And someone who emailed back to us and gave us their breakdown of their case actually said, I don't know what a meaty case study is, but but to us a meaty case study is something that's got a lot of substance, a lot of history. Um, a lot going on. That's the stuff we like yeah. to dig our teeth into. And can I just say too, like, thank you to everyone who sent their case studies through. Like, we were yes. pretty like overwhelmed by not overwhelmed. Like, I don't know we just got heaps basically. So I think, like, I messaged Jess this morning. I'm just going to dump this on her in a podcast now, but she didn't disagree through a text message. But I think what we'll do is, <laughs> is we'll turn this into a like a series for you guys so yeah. like every couple of podcasts we'll pull back out these case studies so if we're not discussing yours today it's not because we didn't think it was not meaty enough it's just yes we got heaps exactly so we're, gonna, we're gonna go through them all but we just can't tackle them all in one hit so exactly that's it and we we did actually used to do these relatively regularly we just fell out of the habit so um <laughs> I think it will be really great now that we've got these and um, I'm sure a lot of you listening, once you hear these semi-regularly, will probably be encouraged to send yours through too. So, um, yeah, I think it's really great that we've already got quite a lot to yeah. get into. So we have picked uh, a case for today, potentially two. We'll see how we go. But knowing Chris and I, it'll probably just be one. Just be one. <laughs> <laughs> so... What we'll do is we'll get started by sharing with you um, this person's health history and what they've sent through. And um, what we've also asked this person to do, I should have asked her about using her name. Um, I've also asked in regards to dietary intake because we thought that was obviously a big, important piece of the puzzle for us. So without further ado, as they say, <laughs> we give you Kara. <laughs> Oh man, you just used a name. Whatever is her last name. Cara, I hope you don't mind. I'll don't I'm chat sure she won't mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, just can put if, beeps over it if you I know, I was just gonna say. Mind. If she's like, can you not? I'll just like every now and again have to be like beep, beep. And I'm yeah. so good at technology with this program, like that won't take long at all. It'll be so easy. Please don't, Cara. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, hi Carissa. <laughs> hi Cara. <laughs> So Krista said, my health issue is my skin. I've had ongoing skin issues on and around my chin and jawline for almost 10 years since I went off the pill. I am so determined not to be on it. However, I'm getting to the point now where nothing I'm trying or have tried has made much, if any, difference. I've tried all types of professional treatments and methods, including regular naturopathic herbal treatments and EFA, so essential fatty acids, acupuncture and Chinese medicine, doctor's visits for hormone testing with no abnormal results. I can hear Carissa going there. (laughs) Allergy testing, a very slightly brewer's yeast and peanut reaction as found. And that's where Jessica's going. (laughs) I've tried avoiding and reducing sugars, dairy and wheat at separate times. I'm just going to insert my little, I've maybe seen a change with a reduction in dairy, but nothing that really convinces me. Thousands of dollars spent on facial treatments and skin procedures, which while I've, sorry, which while they've improved my skin, the underlying problem is never solved, resulting in ongoing treatments. I've stopped this as it's just too expensive. Fair enough. Currently taking collagen powder each morning, but only restarted this Monday. My skincare includes the use of doTERRA cleanser and moisturizer. Didn't even know they did them. It's Along right. with oils for spots and skin. My makeup is in the, is it Anika? Anika? I've just been familiar with them oh, recently from some clients. It's a type of brand of makeup that obviously oh, yeah, you and I, I are. Anika, but. 
yeah, I don't, I know it just recently for some clients have needed some non-toxic stuff. So everyone else listening is probably like, duh, don't the Gogras are. <laughs> but it's, it's not like our area. I trying to say Gemini RX, remember? And then like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Chad actually sent me a, well, like a voicemail of how to actually say it. She's like, Gemini, mate, like long Gemini RX. <laughs> so anyway, so, <laughs> so funny. I just pissed myself laughing. I was like, right, got it. <laughs> So I've just had a couple of months of what I'd class as good skin, still bumps and spots, but quite small. But this week it has exploded with large bumps on my jaw. Poor thing. I feel like I've done so much investigation into gut health and tried the professionals who can help with no results. I don't know what to do. Hope you can help. Cara. Oh, I absolutely love this, like love this case study because I feel like this is like, um, and to, like Jess and I haven't really read over these. Um, we just literally like had a quick scan. Yeah, we haven't um, talked to, about it. Yeah, we haven't actually talked about it or anything. So I think like I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go start. For it. We'll just we'll actually just go down and, and break down um, not what not what you've done wrong, Cara, at all, because you've actually yeah. done a crap ton of investigations here yourself and really tried to exhaust every avenue to get your skin better. So, like, kudos to you because yeah. you haven't just kind of buried your head in the sand and gone back on the pill. Mm. You've actually done a lot of work, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think what we'll do is we'll go through and we'll break down where potentially um, sometimes and definitely what we see where even going into these avenues, if they're not done, like, not it's not that they're not even done correctly, but in conjunction with either the right other type of treatment or not done together where sometimes it may seem like it's not working, but it's not that it's not the right treatment, it's just that it's not done with the right, you know, what would you say, like synergistic stuff. Yeah, so very diplomatically right. said for you. I'm impressed for a Friday morning. <laughs> because <laughs> I know how Chris would say that in probably one sentence with lots of swear words. <laughs> probably about the blood test, which I probably will break that one down with a lot of swear words. Um, no, it's 100% but- as you just said. It's that it's it's doing, as we always say at JCN, it's getting in and treating the core in the right way and working with all of the right components. So obviously we're getting results, but you keep yeah. going. Yeah. So, so technically what I would like, this is probably a more extreme version of it, but what I would probably call this is like post pill acne. The only thing um, we probably haven't got is your prior health history, Cara. So obviously the first thing I probably would be asking is, is this um, an issue that was going on before you went on the pill? Mm. So in your teenage years or not, Um, either, either way, it's probably the result end result is still quite similar. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we're, what we're looking at here actually from what I can see, apart from looking at the gut and the food and some of the dietary stuff as well, which I think it's interesting that you have tried a lot of things, is is an androgenic skin condition. So, mm-hmm. so, so, and I think like when you kind of look, depending on what kind of acupuncture, um, acupuncture is actually great for hormones, but what sort of like tri- Chinese medications and naturopathic herbal stuff and everything that you've tried, like the the root cause of usually a lot of acne for girls is an is an over prevalence of those androgen hormones and definitely depending on what is happening with those androgen hormones you can even be producing some of the more potent ones which are then associated with like polycystic ovaries so I would really be super interested to be sending you on for like straight up like just further investigations like I know that doctor's hormones testing um (laughs) diplomatic can charisma me on a Friday um is absolute crap when it comes to hormones um more often than not what we do see and i see for so many girls in my clinic whether it's estrogens androgens a combo of both um low hormones is that unless you actually have a suppression of hormones so we're talking about amenorrhea or hypothalamic Mm -hmm. amenorrhea or any of those like actual like low low hormone scenarios um your serum hormones nine times out of ten are going to look fine exactly so so testosterone, DHEA, DHEAS will always come back looking pretty normal on bloods when quite often we'll go in and we'll do some further hormone testing and we see that that's actually not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, what I probably would be sending you for as a further investigation is just um, maybe an abdominal ultrasound like a, or a pelvic ultrasound, sorry, to just have a look to see if there is um, any any sort of cysts on the ovaries because we want we kind of want to know, hey, like is this actually just an androgenic skin condition or do we have the whole box of dice? Um, of PCOS so the thing that we probably don't have a lot of information here is about your period yes. um 
like post pill. So whether you're getting a regular period, whether you're getting a longer cycle, so all of that is stuff that we would go into in an initial consult as well. But I'd definitely be sending you off for a pelvic ultrasound. Probably be looking at your AMH levels. Um, so that's your egg reserves, and then trying to see if PCOS is what we're dealing with. We're just dealing with androgenic skin. Mm-hmm. So also, do you want to take over? <laughs> <laughs> also, as you highlighted too, with getting more complete testing as opposed to a standard doctor test is that with more complete testing, you're going to see all of the metabolites as well. So, you know, you're going to get a complete breakdown of the pathways and and how those hormones are being broken down and a lot about how detoxification is working in relationship to these hormones, which for me brings me back to some of the things that Cara has mentioned here about naturopathic herbal treatments and then um, the allergy testing and the dietary changes for me that I would want to be looking more into that space as far as increase um, aggravation inflammation from the gut that's putting pressure onto the liver that then may be compounding these hormonal issues that Carissa is talking about because one of the things we always always do with cases like this and I know Chris will say the same to her clients is that if you come in with these hormonal issues, if your gut is a mess, then we're not going into treating your hormones until we get your gut sorted. And the thing for me, Cara, is that allergy testing, you know, um, you may have used the word allergy testing and you mean intolerance testing. So that's a little bit hard without asking you, but if it's been through a GP, um, it's more likely allergy testing and there's been the brewer's yeast and peanut reactions found. So you could be having intolerance reactions, which is quite common with a lot of skin conditions. Usually though, because your gut um, or your gut immune axis has become very overreactive and inflamed because of what's going on at at your gut level. I know if I've ever, we don't do a lot of food intolerance testing at JCN, but often if you do do it with skin, you'll see a lot of reactivity on that level. So I'd be curious about intolerances. And when you mention avoiding slash reducing certain foods, that's something that Carissa mentioned earlier about doing things in unison at the right time. So you may have some triggers in your diet that actually are setting off your gut that need to be removed together or in conjunction. It's like if you just cut down on dairy, but you're still reactive to A and B, then you're not going to get the results. Or if you cut out dairy but you still have chronic dysbiosis and gut um, mucosal activation without that being treated in unison then again it's like you're kind of doing a bit of the puzzle and it's interesting when you say uh, you've you've made some changes with your diet and seen a little bit of um, improvement but not enough to convince you so to me that's a red flag that there's probably some dietary triggers and some gut stuff going on that hasn't been worked on effectively and ultimately will be compounding the skin issues that Carissa is mentioning. Yeah, 100%. And I think, yeah, just going back to that gut side of it, like and exactly like what Jess was saying is that like what we're seeing here is like with any sort of with any sort of skin stuff, whether it be eczema, whether it be acne, um, all of that, and especially like that jawline where Kari mm. is saying you're getting, I'm actually like touching my jawline now. But that that real that's that real hormonal presentation. So we so we're definitely dealing with hormonal acne. But what what underlying what is underlying a lot of this is a very strong inflammatory condition. So yeah. you can't it, it, like I feel like you've done some really great work because you you you're using like good, I don't know much about the DoTerra skin products, but at least I know they're natural. Yeah. Um, and I know Inika from makeup is natural. So you and you you've done the facial thing so you you've, you're totally on top of the topical side of things um i definitely think um essential fatty acids you're 100 on the right track there with those because mm-hmm. like essentially like whether this is pcos or just literally like androgenic acne what we're talking about is very strong underlying inflammatory stuff going mm-hmm. on and it's not just inflammatory stuff from an androgen point of view and that's not clearing properly and putting excess burden on the liver it's exactly what Jess was saying we've also got an inflammatory gut picture as well so Mm -hmm. what I said a lot of my acne clients with acne is that you have to think about your skin as like the in as like the internal um your external barrier basically Mm -hmm. the same way you think we think about our gut as our internal barrier Mm -hmm. so if you're starting to see presentations of things on your skin um 
we automatically first line is making sure that that gut function and that gut membrane barrier is intact and, and you know as anti anti inflamed as uninflamed <laughs> as it can be. So I think you are on the right track by going. I'm going to reduce my sugar. I'm going to reduce my dairy. I'm going to mm. reduce my wheat. But you just probably haven't done it all at the one time and with enough gut support to actually calm down the inflammatory response happening. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, for sure. And I I guess questions for us too would be around, as you highlighted, knowing a bit of her back history. So going on to the pill, um, was there skin issues prior to, but also around all of this, as far as her history, was there other inflammatory drivers that might've occurred whilst on the pill prior to the pill, whether there be hormonal issues, hormonal issues, gut issues, viral issues like there's a whole lot of things as always for us we need to unpack and think about what actually was going on prior to all of this that could have been ticking along underneath because obviously the pill has been masking a lot of these issues um and now they're at the forefront which and as chris said two kudos to you you're like really keen to unpack this and not just go back down that road so yeah yeah, I think definitely there's a few areas there where we'd be like what else could be going on because That, that back history for us will help us um, identify the more specific or correct pathways. Like if we know there's been, for instance, a really crazy maybe travel history with lots of gastro or something like that, that's obviously going to lead us down one path, whereas opposed to someone who maybe hasn't had all of that, but there's this, these chronic, um, you know, really bad periods from a young age and a lot of, a lot of issues that are more specifically hormonal, like that's going to swing us a different way. So that would be interesting to know a bit more about that. Um, and I think, oh yeah, sorry. No, no, go. I was literally going to say, but I think like the, after you kind of got like all that, like the gut side of it too, like there's still like, I feel like it's just like that layer thing with hormones, isn't it? Like you go, you go through the gut and make sure that's happening. So we're looking at our phase three detox, yeah. but then we, then we're going to be stepping back into, into the liver section, which would be our phase one and phase two detox of these, of these androgen hormones. Yeah. So um, I was going to say too, with you, what you were saying about that inflammatory side of things, like and luckily we've got the food side of it here too but like more things that we probably look at from a gut point of view as well is how much and probably which would more allude to whether or not there was potentially insulin or PCOS issues and this is where we come back to diet which is massive as well in controlling inflammation and inflammatory responses with hormones is what types of foods you're eating how you're timing your meals when you're eating um yeah are you insulin and cortisol Mm mm-hmm driven or out of balance so that also then comes into this so yeah for sure so let's have a look at her food i think the, the standouts okay. though that we've really mentioned here as far as further investigation is without a doubt knowing more specifics around hormones like some actual really good hormone testing yeah but we've definitely i think highlighted cara the importance of understanding what's going on with your gut further as well in conjunction with that and mike i'm sort of a bit dubious about how well that's been investigated for well both of those areas to i think to chris and i both don't sound like they've had enough of a proper um exploration and treatment but let's look at your food because we are what we eat (laughs) so An average day for Cara, so breakfast, we've got porridge with either banana, blueberry or apple, cinnamon, honey and nuts, walnuts or almonds. Lunch for work, homemade soup, zucchini slice, sushi, store-bought. If I'm at home, it might be eggs, avalon toast, stir-fried greens with poached eggs, baked beans on toast, soup, tuna on rice crackers occasionally. Dinner, something with salad or steamed roast veg, lasagna, crumb chicken, pie, roast chicken or homemade pizza. Snacks, yogurt, nuts, seeds, dates, cake if I've got it, or chocolate. <laughs> I aim for the dark stuff, but not always. Carrot with hummus, sometimes fruit, not often. Love it. Cake if I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> the Love last it. month I've been trying to get more protein, iron, and red meat in. I wonder why if she's been deficient there. But it's not yeah. something I crave. Steak, for example. It is why I've gone back to collagen powder as a source. I've just tried tofu this week, which I've enjoyed. I struggle to drink water across the day, very small amounts outside of my porridge, cups of tea, maybe two or three, and a Macona coffee each day. Honestly, maybe five, oh, 500 mils of water. I wonder what your bowels are doing, Cara. Also been subbing some soy milk in my morning and or Arvo cup of tea for about a month. 
And then there's another Little one that one says, here. hi again. I should also add, I don't react well to onion. Oh, we're, oh. we're unpacking a different case, <laughs> not a hormone case. No, there's definitely hormones at play here as well. But this, I feel like now that we know a bit more, there's definitely some yeah. stuff. So I don't react well to onion, bloody and gas, raw definitely and cooked as um, raw definitely and cooked as well, but not as bad. Um, too much bread doesn't sit well. Sometimes bloating after bread, but not always. I don't have bread every day and not a lot in general. I actually think soy gives me gas too, but I'm not sure about that. That's just something I'm watching. Well, <laughs> so, I think I for feel... <laughs> do you, you want to go? We're both just like you can both like power players about practitioners aren't we like we're just like no I've got an idea no I've got an idea you go I think the first I want to do is say as you did to at the start with Cara like you know obviously Cara you're eating generally well it's not like you're eating a lot of crap right which we definitely you know pat on the back for that I think the big things, there's a few things that stand, there's a lot of things. It's just like, oh, all the things. But from what you're saying, even before we unpack your specifics with your food, is that you're definitely highlighting that you've got some foods that you're consuming that are reactive and that aren't sitting too well and causing bloating and gas. So as soon as we hear that for Carissa and I, it's a real um, eye-opener as far as what's going on in your gut from a microbiome level, particularly the foods you're mentioning. They're classic sort of FODMAP-y foods. So they're the sort of foods that you're – it's not that you're intolerant to them um, and you're reacting to them from like an immunoglobulin level. It's that your bacteria um, are fermenting them, often bacteria that are out of balance or in the wrong place in, in too higher amounts within the small intestinal tract perhaps, and you're getting this increased gas and bloating. And as if we know that's occurring with things like onion and legumes, potentially the way you're talking about the soy even being part of the legume family, the bread, um, you know, perhaps that's because of it from a, a certain type of carbohydrate, could be some intolerance things there. But essentially you're starting to give us some more pieces of puzzle there that tell us that fundamentally there's some imbalances with your microbiome. And if that's going on, we know that there is some underlying gut issues that are going to be impacting this. So it really gives us more from what we are just saying a little bit earlier. You're also, you're, you're sort of, again, highlighting... Um, you know, certain foods that you'll say, oh, if I have a little bit of this, it's okay. Um, but if I have too much, it upsets me. So that's for us again, like, okay, perhaps you might feel like you're okay with these foods if you have a little bit, but they're still driving this inflammation underneath. So there may be some yeah. foods that you're having a, an actual at this point of time, or maybe it's been a part of this ongoingly more of an intolerance or a, um, immunoglobulin reaction too. So, from a dietary point of view, I'm definitely a little suspect about some of the foods that you're consuming that you're sort of classically saying, yep, I'm okay with a little bit of this, but um, and maybe yeah. part of what's driving this inflammation in the gut. I'm going to shut up yeah. and let Carissa speak. No, I totally, I totally agree. Um, I do think I like, I'm like, I'm going to say like, just in case, like Cara, like you are, you're obviously going to listen to this because we're obviously chatting <laughs> by email. <laughs> so I'm going to say, if you're a client of mine, I'm going to give you a little bit of a baseline of what, like, just so everyone listening to can sort of get an idea of, because I think you just you just nailed that anyway, Jess. So I don't need to like go in more into that. So I think, like, are you happy for me to say, like, treatment wise, what I would be doing in the first consult, like, without giving too much info, like, to yeah. choose everything? Yeah, yeah. But I think. But I think so, so like, if, so Cara, let's just say you come into the clinic and you see me or you've seen Jess or you've seen one of the other girls um, and, and we've gone through all of this stuff with you and we've broken down your diet. So the first thing, the first thing we'd be doing um, first and foremost is going through your diet with you and pulling out these inflammatory foods. So if you were my client, um, I would be like, okay, cool. Well, we can straight up see that your gut's probably not happy. I'm assuming you've probably got alternating. I'm assuming I might not be right, but maybe some alternating bowels happening, a bit of bloating, a bit of gas, probably feeling a bit inflamed and puffy in the gut. Um, without a doubt, I'm assuming if you're feeling in, like mm. if your face, usually if your face is inflamed and your skin is inflamed, you can usually on some level assume there's definitely a gut element to it. Um, nine times out of ten, there is, and that gut is feeling puffy and inflamed and not happy as well. So, at the moment, without knowing everything um, about your bowel habits, I wouldn't pop you on a low FODMAP diet straight away. I would probably start more like definitely wheat free, 
lactose probably dairy free garlic and onion free and even legume free now here's where it comes in where practitioners become helpful and this is mm. our space is because for you to pull all of those or for anyone listening to go okay cool i've got a similar situation mm. going on to cara Chris has said, I'm going to pull all of these foods out. The, the thing is, is that you need to know how to eat without these foods. So you still need to know how to maintain an anti-inflammatory diet. You still need to know how to maintain a macronutrient balanced diet. And you still need to understand how to put, I love that you're trying to get more protein in. I think that's really important. But you still need to be able to understand like how to pop your proteins with your carbohydrates um, and put all of that together. So you are getting balanced meals. Your insulin is looked after quite often. If this is potentially a PCOS picture where we might be dealing with some insulin issues as well so that's where obviously even just looking at your porridge for breakfast like we would be looking at making this a more protein dense breakfast yeah Mm -hmm. so this would be all just the dietary gut stuff that would be covered in the first console (laughs) which sounds like you came in to see us for hormonal acne but this is this is the layers that we would be peeling back and why Mm -hmm. when you get into treating hormones or get into treating any condition you have to this is why we spend 90 minutes with our clients yeah like because Mm -hmm. We go through all of this, and we'll pop we'll pop you together a dietary plan, probably based on the things that I've said, not a hundred percent, but based on what we can see from the emails. That's just what I would be doing from a gut perspective. We'd definitely be looking at some supplements to calm down this gut lining, mm-hmm. um, and then even from a testing point of view, we'd be I would be I'd be sending you off for um, further bloods. I'd be checking your iron, checking your B twelve. I'd be doing your AMH, pushing for a pelvic ultrasound to see if there is any PCOS happening. Sure. And then we just discuss Dutch testing as an option. <laughs> <laughs> and the Dutch testing is a hormone testing. <laughs> yeah, gut testing and then potentially Dutch testing. So The thing too, which I think is interesting, Cara mentioned, is that she's trying to get more protein, iron and red meat. So I'd be curious as if, if she's already knows that there's some deficiencies there, like maybe with that's been mm-hmm. highlighted in the past as far as iron um, being low, which can be – Again, for us, another sort of sign that digestively things may not be so great as opposed to also how much iron-rich foods that she's eating. But, I mean, her diet definitely looks like she's not vegetarian. Um, The other thing which was huge is that, and it seems so small, but I always am just like riding to this with clients. Yeah, the water, Cara. Like it seems like such a small thing, but, guys, water – is so important for detoxification and for the flow of the lymphatics and all of that movement throughout. Uh, you're just so froze, so I just kept talking over the top of your frozen face. <laughs> so the lack of water is so crucial in this. I don't know how many times I've seen clients just improve their water intake, see drastic changes in their gut and their skin and their general well-being, you really need to make sure that you get on on top of that. And I often suggest to clients, like it's easy to say just increase your water, but you've got to break it down and go, do you like water, which seems odd, but some people can't stand it. So it's like, do we need to put something into your water to flavor it? Also, let's give you some structure around your water. Can we, I always will say to clients, let's set some times during the day, particularly first thing in the morning and certain times where you have this amount of water in it like a glass of water there's some great apps as well that i'll often recommend that are like really annoying reminders that you put on your phone and they're like drink water drink water drink water (laughs) and And they work and the thing is the more water you drink the more it kicks in your thirst and you will naturally start to drink more but this is a crucial factor that might seem small but is really important like you know particularly when we're dealing with congestion potentially issues with detoxification you have to be having that water there it is just it's like the the classic whole food foundational diet we go on and on about water is part of that so that's just a a huge element yeah and I think I do exactly the same as what you said like for my clients that come in and they're not drinking a lot enough water I do exactly the same thing I'm like I want you to leave here today I want you to go and buy a two liter or a 1.5 liter stainless water bottle and you mm-hmm. have to get through that in a day and I don't want you to do it all in one hit after lunch I want you to, go, <laughs> I want you to just exactly set alarms on your phone or download one of the apps and just you know it's 250 mils a couple of times a day get up to a liter and if you sit at a liter for a week awesome next week I want you yep. to increase it up to a liter and a half the other thing that's probably worth mentioning is the why on the on the water note like yeah I think it's it's easy enough for us to say just 
just drink more water because, you know, it will clear your skin up and all of that. But, again, bringing the skin back to the largest elimination organ that we have, like yeah. water, like from an elimination point of view, we have, I think it's is it four means of elimination. We can breathe out toxins. Yeah. We can poo out toxins. We can wee out toxins. And our body can push them out through our skin. Have I missed one? I feel like liver? I Did you one. say liver? Yeah. Well, liver's like the, yeah, no, but I mean like just Lungs. ways of getting. Lungs. Lungs. Lungs, yeah. That was breathing out through the mouth. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not going for organs. I'm just going for weight. So lungs, I'm breathing out through the mouth. Like bladder, wing, liver, gut, wee, all the things. But like, seriously. <laughs> all the secretions. All the secretions. Basically, we're just big secretory organs. <laughs> so gross. But if you're not weighing stuff out, pulling stuff out, or breathing stuff out, the next port of call for your body to get stuff out is through your skin. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, if, like I think that I've had that conversation with some of my clients sometimes about the skin stuff, especially when they're, they're not loving water. And as soon as you, like they get the why, like you have to be, Mm. Your kidneys are constantly filtering, filtering and detoxifying. Your liver's constantly filtering and detoxifying, and it's pushing stuff into your gut or it's pushing stuff into your bladder to get rid of it. And that's it's that's honestly wants to be its first port of call. But mm-hmm. if that if that water side of it is you know feel it is really acidic and blocked up, and the liver's congested and the gut's not working, the body's just going to go. Well, I've got to get some shit out here somehow. I'm just going to start pushing it out through the skin. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so water is crucial. It is. And I think lastly with this, Cara, which is something I know I always say to clients when it comes to skin is skin takes time. Um, You know, obviously you've put a lot of work in here yourself already. And I know with clients when I work with skin, particularly when there's so much going on underneath, you need to give it time. It's like I, as Carissa was just saying, it's almost like the last point of call for all of this elimination. So usually when you start working with someone with skin, you actually start seeing changes more internally first with a more happy gut, a more happy digestion. Um, potentially if there's been headaches involved, like it's, it's kind of like it unravels nicely from the internal and it then consequently it takes the pressure off the external, which is the skin. So usually people will find that when you start working with this is that the skin might start to seem a little less angry, maybe a little less inflamed, but you know, to expect, expect skin to change quite quickly, like the way the gut can, like you know, you need to give it time. It's it's hormones. It's like with hormones, you have to give all of this time um, to essentially get to that space where you're having a significant effect. But in saying that too, like 10 years is a long time. And I would say, you know, for us at JCN with working with this, um, if we were sort of ticking all the right boxes, we would be expecting your skin to be showing signs of improvements within like a you know, at least a 12 week sort of time yeah. frame, if, you know, if not less than that, as far as seeing definitely a reduction in inflammation of definitely a really big shift in your gut in that time frame. Yeah. I think even like the, the cool thing is, is that like with a lot of my, you know, like skin acne, post pill acne clients, like, um, the biggest thing quite often is like the, the amount of change you can see sometimes just by working on the gut. It's crazy. Yeah, like, isn't it? you know, it doesn't, it's sometimes like, I'm going to be straight up with you guys. Like it's not, it doesn't fix everything sometimes. Like no, sometimes the gut, fixing the gut is, you know, such a massive catalyst and people are like, well, my skin's so much better, blah, blah. but the gut usually is just part of it. And then we get into, you know, hormone mm. and androgens clearance through the liver and that sort of stuff so but just even fixing the gut and cleaning that up and inflammation like people like i'll chat to my clients like four to six weeks later and they're like yeah i'm still getting like acne but like and obviously they people photograph it they know they know their skin and they're just like look i'm still getting it but it's there's way less of them or they're less angry they're less inflamed there's less redness so and that's Usually within like, you know, six to 12 weeks of just starting to, you know, get some good anti-inflammatory gut stuff in there and really, you know, work on the gut. So Mm -hmm. it's an exciting little space. (laughs) So I think (laughs) in summary, um, essentially, Cara, whether it's us at JCN or whoever that you're seeing, you want to make sure that these areas that we've highlighted are really being investigated properly. You need someone that's going to navigate this dietary space with you and really help you Make sure that if you are making changes with your diet to help work with your gut and underlying gut issues, that it's still whole food, anti-inflammatory, macro balance, all the thing, things that Chris was highlighting. 
You know, you definitely need someone that's going to dig properly into that and work with your gut. And then without question, depending on how that goes and honestly, given your history, the, the testing that Carissa mentioned from even a blood testing point of view or further ultrasounds, but definitely um, looking at something like the Dutch to getting a proper idea of what's going on with those hormones of yours because there's nothing more frustrating than going and having those tests with a standard sort of, I guess, GP, sorry, GPs, <laughs> but yeah. getting those results back and being told you're fine um, when obviously things aren't, aren't fine. So, you know, um, hopefully we have given you lots and lots to think about and yeah. for anyone else with similar conditions because even some of the other case studies that came through where ooh, there was a lot of a similar thread of this happening, wasn't there? Yeah, so. yeah. So, yeah. Do you so, – I'm kind of feeling like if we dived into another one today, we might end up going for way too long. What were your thoughts? Uh, or are you like, uh, throw uh, me another you. one? Um, I don't know. Well, the other one we were going to do, um, she has actually just sent through a diet and – all that so it's, it's definitely going to be a meaty one if we do dive into it okay um what do you, what do you want to do <laughs> <laughs> i'm just trying to find it in front of me because carissa has just sent me through the dietary space diet and stuff yeah i'm just looking for it i reckon we just do it like we'll say we're it. gonna we're gonna That's try Cara. and do this in is this like, natalie natalie yeah Okay, let's we're be a little bit quicker. All right. We're going to put our A game on for you guys and try not to waffle too much because we do waffle and get sidetracked. Well, I think you'll, yeah, there things. might be some definitely some similarities here that we'll, we'll be able to yeah. refer to. Okay. I'll, I'll, do you want me to read out Natalie? Yes, please. Okay, I'll take that one. All right. Just interrupting today's podcast to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Thera Health. Nordic Naturals Arctic Cod Liver Oil. At the JCN Clinic, one of our go-to supplements for anti-inflammatory and immune support is Arctic Cod Liver Oil. Why, do I hear you ask? Arctic Cod Liver Oil is high in omega-3s, an essential fatty acid shown in research to exert anti-inflammatory effects. And in particular, omega-3 reduces inflammatory cytokines and increases anti-inflammatory prostaglandins that help regulate inflammation. Arctic cod liver oil stands apart from regular fish oil due to its additional naturally high levels of vitamin D and vitamin A. Vitamin D helps modulate our immune systems, while vitamin A is integral to our mucosal immunity. If you would like to try Nordic Naturals Arctic Cod Liver Oil, you can do so through Thera Health today using their online store locator at therahealth.com.au slash store dash locator. Now on with the show. Natalie, I think Natalie said me too. I'm sure she was on said me too case study. I don't know what a meaty case study is, but here's my situation. Okay. So two years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four bowel endo and two large fibro fibroids the size of tennis balls. My uterus had grown to the size of carrying a 17-week baby. Whoa. I had all of that removed, but unfortunately, the fibroids have grown back. Only half the size at present, though. I'm 42 and haven't been able to fall pregnant yet even after... IVF cycles. It's a real bummer, but I haven't given up just yet. I'm planning to go again if I can in a few months. I'm constantly bloated and in pain despite cutting out dairy, gluten, and fructose where I can. I've had a SIBO test and stool test which show a high degree of fat malabsorption and some bad bacteria which have been which I have been trying to treat with prescribed herbs for five months now. Most days I feel sick and fatigued, usually by the early um, usually by the early evening. I also pick up regular stomach bugs and have done so about every month. Help. I've already spent so much money on interventions, but I seem to take two steps back and one steps forward. I'm positive by nature and realize I can only focus on what is in my control, and I hope you can provide some direction. Oh, Natalie, this kills me. Yeah. <laughs> my heart goes out. Same, same, same. That's epic. So epic, epic. I think, again, there's a real interplay here between hormones and gut without question. Yeah. I think Natalie's case, though, with what she said, has probably highlighted that a little bit more. 
in regards to her obvious more overt hormonal issues like from the endometriosis to the fibroids and her history there and then obvious that sort of run through to the issues around fertility um, but then she's also talked about actually really consistent long-term bloating um, making changes with her diet and she has had some exploratory um, treat um, testing with SIBO testing and stool tests which have actually already started to show some issues as far as bacterial imbalances fat malabsorption and so forth so the other thing that she said that is of concern is the fact she feels sick and fatigued all the time and the fact that her gut is quite susceptible to stomach bugs so without question to start with the gut first there's, there's an obvious like high level of dysbiosis or imbalance of bacteria like without seeing those test results and mm -hmm. obviously a huge toxic load that seems like it's going on if she's to the point of feeling sick and nauseated all the time, fatigued, which often can relate back to a, a lot of inflammation again in the gut affecting the liver, let alone the hormonal effect that, that can kind of interplay there. My, my sort of questions around that would be, I know you're saying you've had treatment with herbs, but if you're five months into that and not seeing any changes with your bloating and gut issues and particularly you're still feeling sick and unwell, then I would be questioning what those herbs are, um, if things are being done in, in the, the most correct way. Um, because personally I feel like five months into treatment around Results like that, you should be seeing some resolution, which should in turn be taking some of the inflammation yeah. away from the hormonal component, which is huge here. And we're definitely with conditions like endometriosis and fibroids, more classically dealing with some estrogen issues and high, more adverse estrogen metabolites, um, which yeah. I know, again, Carissa would be like really keen to be seeing more about what's going on there, particularly this person screams needing a good old yeah. Dutch test, right? Yeah, yeah, great old Dutch test. But I'm honestly, I'm honestly going to take this just back to something that um, – like we see so much of, and again, not having, like not saying, Natalie, you're doing the wrong thing at no. all. I'm going to bring back the SIBO diet and the FODMAP diet and how yeah. many freaking times I've seen this diet used by practitioners incorrectly mm -hmm. with clients. And I'm not, I, I know that everyone in this space is trying to do the right thing or, you know, sometimes people are just told go on a FODMAP diet or pull fructose out of your diet. If you are dealing with SIBO and you are at that stage where you are feeling sick and nauseous and bloated and just yeah. crappy all the time, we're talking about chronic, chronic gut stuff exactly. going on. And this is not just... This is not just a FODMAP diet. Like this is – a FODMAP diet is definitely part of this or a SIBO diet. Like personally, I, I, I use the FODMAP diet so much it's ridiculous. And I know all the girls do, but, you know, we use SIBO diets, FODMAP diets. They're pretty interchangeable depending on what you're doing with your carbohydrates. Um, the thing is that the, there's so many variations of a FODMAP diet or a low fructose diet and there's so many things that, you know, you, you have to take into consideration when putting someone on a FODMAP diet and just telling someone to do their own research and go on a FODMAP diet. But anyone listening to this, usually sometimes they do amazing on it, but quite often more than not, they keep feeling the way you're feeling, Natalie, mm. and they're maybe throwing a lot of herbal antimicrobials in. It's There's so much just even in this gut space for you that I, I'm really hoping has been managed correctly. But I'm assuming if you've been on herbal antimicrobials mm. for like five months and you're not seeing any results, and I think this is a time where I personally would be advising you to have a chat with your practitioner and mm. Um, just work out what else could potentially be going on here because you might need to be on a low FODMAP diet that is gluten-free, legume-free, fermented food-free, you know, and I know that sounds epic to anyone listening, but this is the kind of work we do with our clients mm. at the clinic because sometimes their gut stuff is so bloody crazy that mm. you have to have them. Sometimes you have to overlap some histamines, high histamine foods with that just to get all of the inflammation down. Mm. And that sounds epic to anyone listening, but sometimes these are the interventions that are needed to calm down this gut in before we even deal with estrogen but calm down this gut inflammation and you have to have a practitioner that understands that walking you through it and alongside that you have to have the right gut treatment do you need to be on hydrochloric acid support do you need to be on pancreatic support do you need to be on gut lining support are antimicrobials the right thing in your gut at the moment or do you just need to be on some really good anti-inflammatory support combined with the right diet yeah um so and you need someone holding your hand to it so even before like 
I would get into the estrogen space, which I'm just chewing at the bit for you because as soon as I see, as soon as I see endo, um, you know, fibroids, even mm. bowel polyps, my brain is just like estrogen, estrogen, estrogen. <laughs> um, but honestly, like with what's going on with you and your poor little gut, just how you feel every day, like. That that is the primary. Again, it takes us back to gut, but like it just highlights like how chronic the gut part of this is. And secondly, like same with what we were chatting about with Cara before, if you have a really like a really chronic gut situation going on, like obviously I don't know if Cara sounded as obviously extreme. Natalie, yours sounds pretty extreme, mm. um, from what I can see here. But like just from the emails between the, the two of you, like differently, but. You know, you'll, if your gut is not happy, exactly what Jess was saying before with Cara, like you have those, you nine times out of ten, you have those elevated levels of beta glucuron, the beta glucuronidase enzyme. So your gut is just going to be unpacking liver toxins like there's no tomorrow and just making this horrible little inflammatory space yeah. in the gut, kicking estrogens and androgens back out of circulation. So you're just circulating this, you know, mm -hmm. these toxic little hormone metabolites. And this is where we start seeing conditions like endometriosis and uterine fibroids. And I'm going to throw bowel polyps in there because anecdotally I honestly think they've yeah. got a lot to do with estrogen. So when we're talking about estrogen-driven conditions, we're talking about proliferative growth states. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. not, that's the extreme version of it. You can be estrogen-driven without having all of this going on. However, if you were talking about uterine fibroids that were taken out and they're growing back why is your why why yeah. are your cells so proliferative? Why are they growing at a hyper rapid rate? And what is going on with your estrogen? And what's going on at that gut level with that estrogen? Yeah, very well said. <laughs> I don't think you took a breath. <laughs> if you're listening, you didn't accidentally hit fast forward. It's just Carissa. <laughs> Can I just highlight too, without getting too frustrated as well, is that you mentioned about the the right diet and the right support there, which is so vital through this space with your gut. But the other thing that you mentioned um, or that Natalie mentioned is about those past tests showing high degrees of fat malabsorption and some bad bacteria. So that's obviously what stood out to her and what's been communicated to her. I don't know also how many times I've seen people who have come with past test results where they haven't been treated correctly based on the results where but most of the time there's been someone who hasn't understood how to interpret those results correctly and therefore put into practice the right treatment as Carissa was mentioning with a span of anything from enzyme support through to mucosal lining support etc there is there's so many fundamental factors that you need to look at and already when you say bad bacteria I'd be thinking about okay what bacteria because that's going to influence how we treat you. It's also certain bacteria going to influence what we do with your diet. It's also going to influence what we might be seeing symptom picture wise, fat malabsorption. It's not just about if there's fat in your stools that you're not absorbing fat properly. There may be problems with certain overgrowth of bacteria again that are disrupting the bile. There may be issues with bile, which is so important for regulation of a good healthy gut. Like there's, there's a lot that needs to be unpacked with those test results. And I think the reason I want to just point that out is it's probably a bit fresh in my mind with a new client I had just yesterday who had had testing done and been potentially, <laughs> inverted commas, treated for their SIBO. And when we broke it down and looked at what she had been given to take for her, her SIBO as far as the supplement space and diet was, I'm going to say it, absolutely appalling. It made me so angry for her because none of the supplements were correct um at all definitely and all she'd been done all she'd been given for a diet Chris is gonna die was handed this a SIBO cookbook just told to buy a SIBO diet cookbook and sent on her way so I just need to highlight that Natalie because I don't know what level of treatment that you've had but if you're five months down the track and this is still where you're feeling from a gut point of view which is so tied up in all of this then definitely some questions need to be asked yeah yeah Let's and I'm gonna say too like that this is not us sitting here saying we get it right all the time with no. our clients because we don't always get it right 100% of the time bang on like but this is the thing about working with clients and working with a person is that you sit there and you go through the diet with them and then it's exactly like what you said Natalie like sometimes it is and I say this, say this to my really complicated clients sometimes it is two steps forward one step back 
but as a practitioner, like one of the biggest things I think I love about what we do in the clinic is that we will sit there and go through that with you. If it's not working, then okay, we're exploring other avenues and working out why. Okay, cool. We've got you on a FODMAP diet. We've pulled out legumes. Well, okay, things have settled down a little bit and we've got you on these antimicrobials or we've got you on this gut stuff, but you're still not 100%. Why? Okay, let's have a look at histamines. Like you want that person with you who is like, you know, um, you know, going to work through that with you because when you have a complicated gut situation and that involves hormones and all of this stuff, it's not always going to be straightforward treatment. And five and five months into treatment, like it, like I would be scratching my head if like I yeah. had like, yeah, as a practi, I'd be like, hey, what other things? What other testing do we need to look at? Like, you know, five months in, like I like even six weeks in to two months in, if like I've been doing something with someone and I wasn't seeing any mm. results as a practi, I would be like, okay, cool. What else do we need to do here? Because this is not only frustrating for you, my client. This is frustrating for me as a practitioner yeah. because I want to get you better. Like, yeah, definitely, so true. And that's where as practitioners, it's important to put your ego aside and think about the client. Yeah. Let's yeah. have a look at Natalie's food. So this is an example from yesterday she sent through. So porridge for breakfast with almond milk, poached rhubarb with honey, gingerbread I spice. rhubarb at the moment. I feel like I need to go and buy some rhubarb. <laughs> <laughs> Banana, macadamia, nuts and coconut. How delicious does that sound? Sounds really nice. Snacks. That sounds like, sounds like gingerbread porridge. <laughs> yeah. Like snacks, porridge. eggs, avo on toast, peanut butter on toast, buckwheat or low FODMAP bread. Jess's vanilla blueberry muffins, Wow. No. gluten-free pancakes and blueberries, coffee, peppermint tea, rhubarb or rooibos, oolong. I'm taking that's an example of her snacks and that she didn't eat all of that because that's pretty epic. <laughs> Lunch, omelette, sometimes with lactose-free cheese, salad with nuts like cashews or walnuts or soup or chicken congee. Dinner, protein, such as red meat, chicken or fish with veggies like potato, broccoli, carrot, snow peas, Chinese veg. I also like curries and I also like ice cream and chocolate, but go for either a homemade almond milk, hot chocolate or vegan chocolate or panna ice cream, occasional red wine. Oh, she also has results she'd happy to share. Um, ah, so cool. yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Probably a bit late for us now. Oh, well, I guess the interesting there food thing food-wise there is that if she – Oh, again, I want to be careful. We're not bashing, <laughs> but I just think if if she is under guidance and treatment around test results and stuff to do with her gut, it doesn't sound like there's much going on there as far as direction. Because there's there's just certain things. If I was working on someone's gut based on those test results, that just are a little bit like yeah, a little bit suspect. Um, you're definitely eating well, and you've got. You've, yeah. I'd say you've definitely nailing most of the time some your macros as far as your protein and complex carbs good fats and so forth um i'd be certainly interested in what grains you're using specifically in your porridge yeah. whether that's just oat based or whether that's alternate sorts of grains and and the protein component of that you know obviously if you've got a good protein grain like a buckwheat or a millet and then you've got some nuts and so forth that might be hitting the spot but the other things that stood out to me straight away too was the classic, and this is where I wonder about the direction you've been given, like using low FODMAP bread and lactose-free cheese, which is very classic low FODMAP diet. But if you've not given the right direction again, you obviously may be consuming foods that are quite reactive for you. Krista is screaming here to Can say something. Her say arm something? is up. I wish you guys could see it. <laughs> yes. Can I just say something? This is this is not about Natalie's case or anything. Yeah. But far out, Brumby's loaf oh, bread, the biggest delight, whatever the hell it is, the loaf bread for anyone listening on a low fodmap diet, do not eat that shit. Like it is not low fodmap. <laughs> How did I get away with that? I don't How understand. Did they get away? I remember like looking up the ingredients. For one, most of my clients that are on low FODMAP aren't eating wheat anyway. But secondly, for those that seem to actually do okay on a low FODMAP diet with minimal or small amounts of wheat, that bread ain't low FODMAP. No. I've had a look at the ingredients. I even looked yeah. at my houses. But this is where FODMAPs get tricky, right? This is what I'm going to get on my high horse because I'm so passionate about this. There are so many, very, very, like with so many diets, but very 
variations of the FODMAP, FODMAP diet that sometimes I look at recipes on websites when I'm finding recipes for my clients and, you know, alternating and tweaking things and even some low FODMAP websites that should be all over this shit because this is what your website's about. Yeah. And I look at them like, that's not low FODMAP. Yeah. Like there's there's foods in that that are going to trigger a low FODMAP or a FODMAP gut. Like, mm-hmm. oh, makes Yeah. Me- <laughs> <laughs> I think the two classic areas that we see are the these low FODMAP breads, but also the low FODMAP diet does this whole lactose-free dairy space. And often with a gut that's as angry as Natalie's, there's generally going to be issues around the casein or the protein in the milk um, quite classically. So people are still consuming foods that are actually quite problematic for them. So I would be concerned about some of those foods to start with. Um, and then without sort of knowing more about some of the ingredients in these meals, if you're still, if you're consuming foods that are problematic for your gut, um, how much as Crystal was talking about before, like with, for us, we're kind of looking at multiple layers with your diet, depending on what's going on there. Often with these bacterial issues and strong, um, standing dysbiosis, there's often a yeast overgrowth factor, particularly, you know, with bloating, that's, that's a common factor. So, I'd be considering how much um, sugars are coming through in your diet as far as even like the alternate ice creams and the like um, the papana chocolates and all those sorts of things. Again, we're not sort of saying that that you have to be strict long term with all of these things, but it's around, around the right guidance. So, you know, I would be looking at how your diet needs to be refined further to work with your specific gut. And then, of course, putting that with the right treatment as far as the supplementation side let alone what we could be throwing at this from an anti-inflammatory point of view and then supporting like um, your estrogen detoxification, like the use of depending if you could handle it, but certain things like your um, your high lignin foods with your flax and so forth, unless it turns your yeah. stomach inside out from SIBO <laughs> symptoms. Yeah, yeah. Again, this yeah. is why you need to work with a practitioner, but there's functional foods essentially we can be using that can support detoxification, um, your phytoestrogens and so forth that could be really beneficial here too. That would um, be something I would look at as well. The thing that sucks that when we're dealing with CEOs, a lot of your phytoestrogenic foods are your high FODMAP foods. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then you start seeing overgrowth of sulfur bacteria and you want to be using like all your brassica, cruciferous veggies. Well, the amount of times I've had to do that, I'm like, well, you know, any good nutritionist right now would be telling you to increase your leafy greens, but based on your gut results and for your estrogen, we can't touch that shit right now. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say too, and I think this is an interesting space, and this is why diet coaching and hand-holding is so important with a SIBO gut or, mm. or just any sort of chronic gut condition is things even like your almond milk need to be considered yes. and discussed. Do you yes. know what I mean? So this is why it's so dangerous for practitioners to – practitioners, whether they're dietitians, naturopaths, nutritionists, GPs, functional GPs, whoever has given you your dietary advice, it is so dangerous for them just to give you a handout Mm -hmm. or just to give you a basic blanket statement like go on a low FODMAP diet because we know all too well that FODMAPs, SIBO, any sort of gut stuff, like you need, especially for chronic gut, so if you have to get into the nitty-gritty, like Jess was saying, but it – like even just looking at your almond milk, what's in your almond milk? Yeah. Does it have a prebiotic? What's in your protein powder? Does it have a prebiotic? Like all of this stuff matters when we're dealing with a complicated mm. gut. What's in your what's in pan of ice cream? Like from a prebiotic and sugar point of view, like mm. I'm pretty sure it's got xanthan gum in it. That matters. Like yeah. do you know what I mean? And I'm not picking on what you're doing at all, Natalie. I'm just I'm just saying yeah, like when we're guidance. dealing with chronic gut issues, like you are eating bloody amazingly, but the this is where it, it kind of matters to get you mm. feeling better. Mm. Like and how foods that- how like crazy the diet side can be the and you've just highlighted some really classic one that someone eating in this style is if they're eating the wrong types of those foods can be consuming them every day without realizing it um you know from your art yeah you're definitely those milks and protein powders and different alternate um products in the alternate sort of health space there's so many of them now that can be problematic yeah yeah, and it can be something sure. so simple. Like I know sometimes I've gone through my clients' diets and I'm, I'm like, listening. your diet is freaking perfect. What are you doing wrong here? Like, not them, but I'm just like, I'm going over it with a fine-tooth comb trying to work out why they're still getting bloating. And it's, sometimes it's something so simple like coconut yogurt. Do you know what I mean? Which in every other space would be considered healthy. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was lighting the heater. I was like, is she going to notice? Probably. You just disappeared and started banging your microphone or something. 
Sorry. Oh, I need the heater on. I'm really cold. It's going to make a lot of noise, but too bad, everyone. That was so funny. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm on a rant here. <laughs> so what I was going, where I was going when Jess started bashing her microphone was that sometimes you can be doing all the right things. Like Natalie, looking at your diet, it's beautifully balanced. There's, it's all mostly whole food from what we can see, like all of those things. But sometimes it is the smallest thing, like mm. – what's in your almond milk, what coconut yogurt are you using? And it's just that prebiotic component that you're probably having every day completely unaware because no yeah. one has gone through your diet with you properly and with a fine-tooth comb enough sometimes to find out, like, your SIBO treatment might be working, but it's not because you've got this prebiotic hit in your gut every day that your gut's not agreeing with. So it could be something so similar. It could be something far more complex. So yeah, exactly. So I think realistically what we're highlighting here is that without question there is a huge gut component that needs some more serious unpacking investigation from a supplement and dietary component for you Natalie to start moving forward because of that interconnection interconnection between the gut and these these hormones um, there is without question so much going on hormonally for you um, but as we've talked about, like you really need to assess what's going on in your gut and the reduction of inflammation there as far as that interrelationship. And then from there for us, it would be further investigation with those hormones and getting an idea of what's going on. I think, you know, Carissa and I both with those with things like endometriosis and fibroids, as she was saying, you know, as far as a proliferation going on and that sort of classic relationship through to estrogen, there's things that we would probably be jumping on or want to do relatively quickly, even without results. But definitely, given what is going on for you and the complexity of it and, and how intense it is, like spending some money on a really good comprehensive Dutch test um, to get some answers and some more specific treatment there would be really important. And, you know, you're going through, you're talking about IVF and so forth. So, like, I can't even imagine, like, the... Obviously, there's there's stress that's going to be involved with that yeah. too and the pressure as far as, like, you know, a female and reproduction and the sort of pressure that I think that starts to put onto women's shoulders too. I know it takes two, but I think when you start getting into that space, yeah. there's a lot of pressure that women feel. So I was, I was is there anything you wanted to add day. before we finish up? I was, I was literally just about to say the same thing. I feel like there's a lag between us sometimes where I think you finish speaking and you don't, then I speak and you're still speaking. <laughs> so sorry for all the listeners. Anyway, I was literally about to say the same thing. Like we didn't even touch on the IVF space, but obviously like just from a stress point of view and just from an emotional point of view, like there's so much intertwined with what's yeah. going on for you, Natalie. Like IVF, IVF, on the, on the female body is epic like mm. in terms of the synthetic hormones um the you know if, if you like i'm like you've probably done like um follicle stimulation and all of that at some point like so you might have done the clomid stuff first and then you've actually gone down the, like gone down the ivf route there's there's just so much in that space alone even if we even if even if your gut was working gangbusters my favorite word at the moment see um you would get it in somewhere on the podcast <laughs> even if your gut was working really like functioning like a champ and it was just your hormones that we were dealing with, like the whole the IVF space and just the the load that that puts on the liver and the gut. Full stop is is something that we like mm. needs to be considered. But just this exactly what Jess was saying, just the stress of you know it puts on the female body. Like it's such an emotional time for women. I like the IVF space. It's it's such a big thing for a woman to make that decision and that commitment, and then yeah. to obviously keep making that that commitment. And as mm. you said, you're probably going to go again, Natalie. You know, you're still optimistic. I think that's fucking fantastic yeah um but it's just yeah like it is it's there's that there's just so much going on for you as well like so it's just yeah it's there's a there's so much emotional stuff emotionally invested in this for you as well i'm sure we can see that just through your email and everything that you've been through so yeah yeah for sure. well i think we might wrap it up there um hopefully i think it's really interesting for you guys just to see that relationship between two different cases and how we've got two different people um some similarities though as far as what's going on within that gut inflammatory space um, and when i say gut i definitely am including liver within that but this interplay between that and hormones both of these women are presenting with hormonal issues 
but there is like a, a triad as such even to going on um, between those hormones and that gut and the liver and those detoxification organs. So hopefully what we've highlighted is how important it is to look at all of that and to make sure that you're investigating those areas completely and properly because, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't, of course, don't understand how much more information can be gathered. Um, and, you know, if you have gone down the GP path and been told there's nothing wrong, just just listen to you and your body. If you know something's not right, we always say that. It's like IBS as well. Like, don't just don't just accept that. There's there's always a reason things are happening. And um, you know, if you're at a place and you know that and you feel that, then please, whether you reach out to us or do a bit of research and find someone that you feel like really understands this space, and we really encourage you to do that. Yep. So I think we might wrap it up for a Friday and yep. say thank you for listening. And we will bring more of these to you. Yep. Um, so definitely we'll, we'll do some call outs here and there. Um, but if you have something that particularly, you know, you want to send through, I might regret saying this, but pop it through to reception that you can just find our email on the website. And um, other than that, if we've really touched something for you today, please share this episode. I think this is a really good one to, to share and get others to listen to. Um, but I am going to say, see you later. I was going to say I'm going to say good night, but it's not that time yet. You've still got the whole day ahead, Jessica, so you can get your ass together and get into it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, pretty much I'm saying what you said. Thanks, Cara and Natalie, for sending Thank you so much. We yeah, really like appreciate it. Yeah, we do. And it is like we obviously, yeah, we're just obviously not critical of anything any clients or you guys are doing. It's definitely like I just think it's great that so many people are trying to take their health into their own hands and do all the investigations and reach out and find out more about their health like I think yeah. that's bloody that's a bloody awesome space mm-hmm. so thanks for like thank you so much for sending your cases in that's cool exactly all right thank you everyone and have a fantastic weekend all right adios Bye.